What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 18th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Chris Jelinella, and we had such an incredible conversation. Since we spoke, there are two things that stuck out to me. One is Chris shared how his grandfather was always smiling, and this is something that I'm working on. And second is how to have good perspective each and every day. My friends, before we get started, I have some amazing news. I have created a children's book to help fathers see who they are and connect them with their sons. I think we all agree the world is in desperate need of fathers who show up for their sons and show them the way. I need your help, though, to bring this project to life. The book is done, and I have a Kickstarter up where you can go pre-order the book and get some rad rewards for doing so. The story is about a father and son going on adventures on a motorcycle and sidecar. It's so fun. You can go to adventureoffatherhood.com to learn more. What an honor to have Chris Jelinella on the podcast. Enjoy hearing his passion for his role as a father. All right, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Super stoked to be talking to my new friend, Chris. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Ned. Nice to meet you, man. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, man. That's you know, I've, I've followed you on Instagram for a while. I just love uh, all your posts, what you're about, just seem really into being a dad and then just out there making things happen in Orange County. And so I thought it'd be fun to have a conversation together. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for not unfollowing me. So clearly my posts aren't too, too frustrating or annoying. So that's, that's <laughs> good news. Oh my gosh. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. We're so ridiculous. I had somebody message me the other day, like saying something about a post I made and they're like, I just rather tell you than unfollow you. I'm like, really? You're going to unfollow me for one thing I said you didn't agree with as ludicrous, but. Oh, it's crazy. It's whatever. Crazy. Whatever. It's so funny. I mean, since social media, when did it start in 2008 around that time? Yeah. Like now with, I got to be careful with what I post because now I have my son and all his high school friends are now watching everything I do. So you got to keep an extra eye out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is a new, uh, a new element. Cause just like you have your, like my daughter's 16. And if, if one of her friends follows me, then it's like, Oh, okay. This isn't just about, you know, other dads around my age that are following me only thinking about what they're going to perceive. Yeah. So, so it, it definitely something you got to think about. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, just like right out the gate to help people sure. know, know who you are. So Chris, you live in Orange County. How old do you find yourself today? How old am I or how old, how old do I feel? Both. Ah, so on paper, I'm 51, but I actually want to say I feel probably 31. Love it. Okay. I definitely right? want to dig into, dig into that. So I'm going to follow back up with you on that question. Um, you, you married now? Yeah, I'm married. I've been married 22 years. Man, thank you. Um, That's huge. Friday, May 20th. 
will be 22 years. Okay. And then you have a son and how old is your son? Uh, my son, Luke is 16 years old. And I'm going to say he might be going on 50. You know, <laughs> like a, you know an old man in a, in a young kid's body. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to digging into more of your relationship with your son. I, I loved reading uh, the intro um, in one of the magazines of, of you talking about your relationship with you and your son. Um, okay. What do you do for a living? Now, I hate this question, but I love this question. I hate this question because most men use it to size each other up. The reason why I ask it is because you could listen to a fatherhood podcast and it doesn't matter if if you have the raddest, coolest, make the most money job in the world, or you you don't. Fatherhood, you run into the same thing. It's like a level playing field. And we can all connect on the struggle, the wrestle, the beauty of fatherhood. So with that, what is it that you do for a living? Uh, yeah. So in a nutshell, <laughs> I'm a sales guy at heart. That's really what I that's really what I do. But on paper, I'm a I'm a publisher for a media company called Modern Luxury. So I'm the group publisher for Southern California, which encompasses LA, Orange County, and Palm Springs. So we've got um, beautiful luxury magazines in these markets. In Orange County, we have Riviera Magazine. Mm -hmm. We have Angelino and LA Confidential. Palm Springs, we have Modern Luxury Palm Springs. So basically within these beautiful elements of magazines, we've got digital capabilities, We've got experiential events. So my job really is to connect the dots. I connect consumers with businesses. I connect businesses together, whether it's through advertising or sponsorships or you name it. That's what we do. So we're going on in Orange County. We're going on, you know, 20, 20 years here. We launched in, right before September 11th. And I'm pretty wow. proud of the team for, you know, accomplishing so much and, I'm actually wanted to do the podcast from the beautiful beaches down in Monarch Beach. I'm over here at the Waldorf Astoria, sitting on the beach and enjoying this beautiful afternoon talking to you, Ned. Yeah, I love it. So you've been involved with Modern Luxury for 20 years in Orange County? Yeah. So I started in L.A., then came down to Orange County in 2008, went back to L.A. Now I'm sort of stepping back into the Orange County market. Um, we're launched in Palm Springs and we're spending a lot of time out there as well. Nice. So I'm pretty much everywhere, you know? So if you were to sum it up in a sentence or two, like to be somewhere for 20 years is, is happens less these days. What is it that you love about your job or your career or what you do? What is it that you love about it? That's kept you in that one place. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that, that you bring that up because, you know, obviously when I interview people, I see. I look to see how long they've been with the company, but uh -huh. I'm like an old fashioned kind of guy. And uh -huh. you know, my dad has, has always worked for businesses for very long periods of time. And honestly, I'm grateful for everything that I, I, I worked hard for. And for me, it's all relationships. And it's yeah. so fun to see how businesses have grown and survived. And even like the young interior designer that I knew 20 years ago is now like the big wig in LA. It's fun yeah. to see that. So I just feel like I've always sort of been a connector and mm -hmm. I just enjoy seeing people succeed. I enjoy seeing businesses grow and I've enjoyed seeing how much modern luxury has evolved over the years. I remember when we first started, we had Chicago and LA 
And now we're in, you know, 22 markets across the country from, you know, down in Miami, we do Ocean Drive to the Hamptons, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, San Francisco. I mean, you name it, Hawaii. We actually have Modern Luxury Hawaii. Uh, we do the Ala Moana magazine. So it's nice to see how much we've grown. Yeah. And I'm just one of those guys who's thankful. I wake, wake up every day and I'm just grateful to, to be working. And I just try to kind of make it happen. I've always kind of lived day to day. Maybe mm. that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, that's, kind of kept, that's kind of kept me in, in tow. Love it. Okay. Rad, well, let's get into some fatherhood questions. So when you yeah. think of the role of the father, how would you describe the role of the father? So, you know, I always feel like my job as a father is to really be obviously the leader, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Guy who teaches my son independence because I want my son mm -hmm. to be able to move away from home when he's, you know, I moved away from home when I was 24 to Los Angeles, you know, I didn't know anybody here, just made it happen. And I think because of the tools, my father and my mother kind of taught me the independence and being strong and all that made me who I am. So my goal as a dad is to do the same thing for my kid. I think if I could teach him confidence and independence, that's the true goal, uh, a role of being a father is to be able to provide that to, to your child. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Confidence and independence. Now, if it doesn't come up later, I do just want to give a big shout out to your parents. So, you know, in reading the article that you had put up about family, you had said that your parents were celebrating their 58th wedding anniversary. And so I just want to add, and you're, you're celebrating your 22nd wedding anniversary 22nd. or 22nd. What an incredible gift. So how did that impact you when you think about independence and confidence and leaving to come to California? Like, what foundation did that provide you in having your parents give that gift of, of stability to you, if you will? Yeah. I mean, I feel like they've always been the best role models. And I always also felt like I never wanted to really ever let anybody down. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not the most religious guy in the world, but I was raised, you know, Roman Catholic. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like my actions kind of speak and I want to always make sure this is going to sound weird, Ned, but I always feel like I live my life making sure I'm always like staying in my lane and doing the right thing and treating people well and just being nice to everybody. And my mm -hmm. parents really taught me that, you know, yeah. my dad, even in business, um, you know, he's, he's a salesman as well. He's been selling power equipment for many high rises in the New York City metropolitan area my whole life. So okay. his whole life has been revolved around relationships. And it's interesting because, you know, my mom always says that I'm kind of the only son that kind of fits into the mold of what my dad did. You know, my dad mm. does. Actually, he still works two days a week. He's 83. God bless nice. him. Yeah. So I kind of feel like they've taught me those tools and I kind of took them away. Maybe because I'm the son who did move away. Mm. I'm the one who kind of took a lot of it with me. And, you know, that's kind of, did I answer your question? I feel like I'm kind of mumbling. No, no. I mean, I think that the underlying current that I see is this consistency, right? Your dad's 83. He's still working two days a week, right? He's, he's out there wanting to provide value. So here's what I'm hearing from you. Provide value. You were shown this. Be a connector, create relationships, and be consistent. And don't yep. be a dick. <laughs> you, yeah, I exactly. mean, and it's funny because we don't, if we were to say those things right now, those things aren't, in my opinion, really valued in our culture right now. It's like, 
be selfish. If a relationship's not working, move on. Right. And, and the, the funny thing is, is everything that we want in life is like this legacy, deep relationship, deep connection. But a lot of our actions day to day, what we glorify day to day, don't necessarily point to that. And so what, what I'm hearing is your parents showed you that and you showed that to your son. And so it's like, wake up, take each day as it comes. You said day to day, but do those four things and, and you're going to find some success in that. Yep. I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. And that, that is how I've always lived my life. You know, sometimes it drives my wife nuts because she <laughs> kind of is always thinking about the future and uh-huh. about paying for college and blah, blah, mm-hmm. and I'm always like, we're going to get there. We'll get there, you know? And I always, my famous quote to my son is if you woke up and you're breathing, you had a great day, mm. right? Because you never really know. And then obviously with this pandemic, we, we've sort of been living through, you know, it kind of has taken on a whole new meaning as well. I love that. If so, you woke up and you're breathing, it's a great, a great day. day. All right. My other one is when you see somebody, you know, obviously out in Southern California, we have a tremendous amount of, you know, homeless people. Mm-hmm. And I always say to my son, like our worst day is their best day. You know, mm. you kind of have to always put into perspective what other people are going through and you never know what anyone's really going through. Even person you think might be the most successful might've had something really horrible happen to them that day too. Right. So right. that's why living day to day is so important. Yeah. Perspective. That's really good. You know, one thing you put on the Google form when it came to role of a father that I wanted to ask you about is to be an inspiration to your son. Um, what does that mean to you to be an inspiration to your son? Because I would love if more dads woke up thinking, I want to be an inspiration to my son or daughter. Yeah. I think I want my son to always look at me as someone who gives the right answers or deals with a situation in, 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 in a way that he would want to deal with and really just be somebody to inspire him to, to do better. Mm-hmm. And even for me, I feel like, you know, I'm a big fitness guy. I mm-hmm. love working out. I love taking care of myself. And I feel like I do that, you know, obviously because I want to live a long life, but I really do it because I want to see my son grow old and have his family, you know, down the road and, that's kind of why I do, because I want to see the circle of life continue. And I feel like if my son sees me leading by example, mm. he'll follow suit in the same way kind of thing. Great, great. So I would challenge dads listening to this. If you were to write down the four things that your kid would be would write down if they were asked, like, what is my dad all about? What are those four things? And are those four things you want your son to do when he's 30, 40, 50 years old? And if not, then you got to change some things in your daily habits, your daily life, whether it's fitness, health, mental health, whatever, because your son is going to mimic you. So do the things you want him to mimic. I dig it. Um, Oh man, I love this. What has been the greatest resource to you when it comes to fatherhood? I mean, you know, I was really, really close. It's really so funny. I mean, I grew up in an Italian, fa- you know, Italian background in New Jersey. Always the, you know, the macaroni and gravy on Sundays at my grandmother's, and you know, family has always been a big part of who I am. And mm-hmm. I'm super close with my brothers and all that cousins, and so I always felt like the grandparents have sort of, for me, have always been the big examples of where mm-hmm. I learned um, about. And I had, you know, my grandparents were very, my grandfathers were very different. My my mom's dad was 
came to all our baseball games and was a big part of our life and all that. My dad's father lived a different kind of life. He was around, but we weren't really that close. But you know, it's really interesting that, you know, not that I ever, you know, I, I, I never, I always poo pooed like mediums and things like that, but I actually went to a medium twice mm. and I went about 15 years ago and the medium had told me that there was a gentleman here to see me. It was my grandfather and he wanted to apologize to me for not really being there for me. Wow. I, I was really touched by it. And I remember calling my dad because the medium, he had said to the medium that he had a lot of weight on his shoulders. Mm. And I called my dad right away. And I said, dad, I said, it's really interesting. And I know you're going to think I'm nuts, but I told him the story and I said, and this is what, you know, pop up said. And my father started crying saying, wow. wow, he always said that to me. So like, it was kind of believable. And then about two years ago, I was walking into an event in Beverly Hills and a woman at a bar said to me, Hey, I have a message for you. And I, I thought, are you talking to me? And <laughs> she was, and she said, there, there's someone here. And then I walked over and it was my grandfather again. So it was kind of interesting how these role models of grandparents came and one, and I feel close to him because of that in a yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Afterlife, you know, so I just feel like they were the role models of, of men in my life who have always been there. And it's funny, my, my, my grandfather on my mom's side, he always smiled and he always mm. that, that song from that musical, Annie, you're never fully dressed without a smile. My grandfather lived that. And that's why I always felt like I always want to smile. I always want to be happy and that kind of thing, because I think you live a long life when you smile. And that's something I learned from him. But you know, those are the things you want to take, take to your kids. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing that. That's so cool that you would share that. And, and what really resonates with me too, is, is you saying that your grandfather always smiled. Uh, I've been challenged by my friends and family recently that I don't smile enough. We (laughs) had my, we had my wife's 40th birthday. And so we had some friends who all flew in and came together and they were giving me crap that I don't smile enough. Um, and it's true. So, so that's, that's a challenge. And I'd love to take that from, from your grandfather and, and oh, impart that in, in my own life. Um, yeah, I love, so I asked you, you know, the question, what's been the greatest resource and it's great when somebody has a book or this, that, or the other class workshop, whatever, but this idea of generations of role models, it's like, if we could start living that way where, you know, your grandkids and my grandkids say that about us. Like our grandfather always smiled. He was at every baseball game or whatever. I mean, the world would just look different, you know, 500 years from now, if that's how we showed up. Um, and it's possible, you know, like you're saying, if you woke up and you're breathing, it's a great day. Now go out and smile and be kind. And the reward, the legacy you're building is huge. Um, awesome. So one question I wanted to ask, and this is kind of a, a, question I don't always ask, but as you became a father, okay, you come out to LA, you're living this life, you get married, you've been married for, you know, five, six years, and then you have your son. What is something that you learned about yourself either when he was young or any, you know, anytime, what's something you learned about yourself through being a father? Um, you know, I think one of the most important things I've learned you know, we had a series, you know, my wife had a miscarriage and mm. you know, Luke was born. And then, you know, we had another series of, you know, miscarriages. So 
I always felt like, first of all, I felt truly blessed to, to be able to have a son, number yeah. one, or a child, no matter, I didn't even care if it was a monkey, just to have something that, that I provided to this world that was mm. great, whether it was a boy or a girl, whatever. So it was great to have him. And I just felt like the unconditional love, knowing that there was somebody in my life that I created that was, you know, admired me. And I just, you know, I never really experienced that kind of unconditional love like that before. Mm. I was just seeing my son for the first time. I remember when he was first born, um, he was born in Westwood at UCLA and he slept, he slept in the little bed with me that night, the first night he was born. And I just remember looking down on him and I just couldn't believe like, wow, this is my boy and he's here. And, you know, it's just a, I can't even put into words, like, how it feels. Oh, you know? that's beautiful. Yeah. It's hard to put in words, Ned. You know? Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, I love that though, because like as men and as dads, we don't really get asked that question or get the opportunity to share that moment we had our son and it's like, or daughter, and, and it's so meaningful to us, but I don't know that the world always really knows how much it means to you and I, right? Because and moms are incredible, right? Moms are incredible, but it's definitely a little bit more glorified than fatherhood. And that's kind of my mission, right? Is to help people see how incredible fathers are and encourage dads just to step into their role because it matters. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I always feel like, and I'm, uh, maybe I'm like an old soul too. I always felt like decisions that like my grandfather made, both grandfathers made, if they had made a different decision, my son wouldn't be here today, mm. right? And I always think about like, there was that movie, I guess, Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow that came out about 20 years ago about like, if she hadn't gone on the train, what would have happened next? You know, and I always think about that, like those small things, decisions you make in your life could change everything. And thank God my grandparents made, you know, those generations made the decisions they did. Otherwise, Luke wouldn't even be here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting way to look at it, but I, that's where my mind goes sometimes. You know, I like that because I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own generation or our own current state of the world that we forget about things that people did 100, 200, 300, 400 years ago to make it where we could live the life that we're living right now. And I think that that gives you a new sense of gratitude to make the most of the opportunities that, that you and I have every day. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's so true. My son always makes fun of me because, you know, we're in the car and I always put on, you know, um, Sirius XM Sinatra. Nice. Because it reminds me of growing up. It reminds me of the way, you know, and I'm just one of those people that enjoy that. That relaxes me when I hear music like that when I'm driving. I I mean, I, I... I get away with it most of the time, but there's times where he'll make me turn it off. (laughs) You know, what's funny is it's, you know, probably, uh, 30 years from now, he'll be throwing it on with the same feeling of this (laughs) is like this comfort for him. Um, okay. I know there's like a couple more topics I want to jump into. So this podcast is called fatherhood field notes. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. When you hear those words, rebel and create, what's something that you're rebelling against? And then what is it that you hope to create out of that rebellion? Um, That's such a good question. So I feel like for me, doing what I do and being the kind of guy that always wants to be the best I can and help out my clients with everything I do, social media has been taken over a lot of who I am and what I do. Mm. And whether it's promoting a t-shirt or 
you know, this client sent me these samples. Like everything is so, so social media, medialized that I feel like sometimes I get caught up in it too much. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I want to learn. I want to like not be that person that's constantly on there. And I want to take that time to be with my family a lot more, but mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I'm just so like caught up in it. And, and I have clients who, you know, pay money for this and be a part, you know, and I just kind of feel like I wish there was a way I could just like not do it and learn from it. Um, did I, is that what you're asking? I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think what you're saying Sorry. is you're, you're like, you're, it, it, it's funny because it's, it's the struggle, right? You're talking about the struggle of the modern day life and, yeah. and you want to rebel against maybe the status quo of what a lot of people do, but there is the tension of, uh, you know, I have to do this, but I don't want it to consume my time because I want to create family time. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I wish like, I, I know I, maybe people just say they do this, but you know, no phones for three hours at, at mm-hmm. this time or whatever it is. I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, we're all guilty. I mean, my wife, my son, we're all, there's always a phone out when you're watching a movie or someone's always checking something or, and I just wish we could just be those, that family to just say enough, like, let's, let's put the phones in this room and nobody touch them, you know, like, let's just enjoy time. Cause I feel like when we all grew up, I grew up in you know the late seven, you know, the seventies and eighties, we only had each other. Yeah. You know? It wasn't a thing. Totally. You, you were out playing street hockey in the street or you were, you know, having dinner and you were talking and, you know, you didn't have any distractions, you know? So I just, I wish we can go back to those times and I'm as guilty as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, it's just finding the thing that works for your family, whether it's, Hey, we have one meal a week and we leave our phones in our bag or in the car. Or if we go into a restaurant, we leave our phone in the car or, you know, for our family and we've kind of got off this, but it's been Sunday. Sundays is like no social media day. And so sometimes we kind of like lose it a little bit, but just finding yeah. something that works for your, for your family. Yep. Um, okay. I dig it. Right. It's all about that struggle. And I kind of like how you're, you're like, ah, it's like struggling with even how to say it. Because I think that's real. Like if you, if you said, well, Ned, we have dinner seven nights a week and we all put our phones in the other room. Everybody listening is like, yeah, that's not true. Uh, you know, or that's not possible. So I think the, the stumble, the struggle is, is how we're all feeling. So it's like, okay, how do we do this? Um, okay. What I, I want to talk about two things. Um, one is you said you're 51, you feel 31. Has fitness always been important to you? Um, was there some kind of transition where it became more important to you? Um, because I think all of us, you know, are looking to really feel our best to show up for our family. So maybe give us a little background on that. Yeah. So it's funny when I was, when I turned, I've always sort of worked out and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I felt like if I went to the gym, that was what you needed to do and ate whatever I wanted and did all that. And when I was turning 40, I had uh, written an article on my column in Riviera magazine about how I wanted to get in the best shape of my life. And this gentleman named Todd Vandehei, who owns um, Stark Fitness, reached out to me and he said, I read your article. He said, I think I could help. And he said, do you want to come in and blah, blah, blah. And I'll talk to you about it. And I said, oh, okay, I'll come in. And, you know, we went through a whole process and I wound up, you know, joining his, his fitness facility and they had a, a contest called Stark Naked. It's not what you think, but it was basically an opportunity for business people to, they picked five men and five women in business, train them like bodybuilders. 
and they did a you know it was social media. They picked a charity, whoever the winner was, that they donated money to the charity of your choice. So it really got me thinking about fitness in a different way. Mm. Where a it was mostly about what you put in your body. So diet was eighty percent of it. Twenty mm-hmm. percent of it was was working out. I always did the opposite. I figured if I'm eating, if I'm going to the gym and working out, I can eat whatever I want. Yeah. That's not that's not simply true. So I learned a lot, and I wound up you know, losing about, you know, 20 pounds and getting as, as lean as possible. I won the contest. Dope. Love it. I'm yeah, the guy baby. who just goes in for the gusto. That's right. right. And, and, you know, the, and a lot of men and dads, my age around in the forties at the time were, wow, wow, look at Chris, what is he doing? Where's he going? So, you know, Todd, it was a smart move on him to have me come in because, you know, in orange County, there's not really big celebrities that live in Orange County, but people are inspired by other like-minded people. Yeah. So for me, running the magazine gave me a little bit of leverage in that way. So they wound up getting a lot of customers, a lot of dads and men, and even women would go in and join Stark. And now fast forward 10 years later, you know, I'm 51, you know, I still work out at Stark and they're bringing back the all-stars. Nice. Still naked again, you know, so now I'm entering the contest where, you know, there's a photo shoot in June and, you know, all that good stuff. And now they donate money to the charity of your choice. And, you know, luckily for me, I inspired my son. Actually, maybe he inspired himself to start his own 5013C, which is called GovLearn. And my son has always been really involved in politics and, and uh, civics and history and maybe it comes from me being a poli sci major in college, but so he felt like there was a lack of education for kids to understand how politics works. Like people don't really know what is, what does the legislative branch do? What are the, mm-hmm. what do the chief Supreme justices do? Like, so he decided to create this curriculum where he teaches homeschool kids. He has a YouTube channel. So he has all sorts of ways to get education out in a nonpartisan way. Um, to get, you know, to, to do this. So that's my charity for Stark. And I feel oh, like love it. the article you read, um, that's what I was talking about where I want to kind of give back. But the beauty is now I'm giving back to something my son created with, with something that I'm really inspired to do and really what I love to do, which is fitness and taking care of myself and all that good stuff. So it's kind of like full circle how you know, 10 years ago, I did it and now I'm doing it again. But now I'm trying to raise funds and money for my son's charity. Yeah, that's a good motivation. Um, okay, so two questions off of this. One's going to be about your son and one's about the fitness. So let's let's finish the fitness piece here. And that is, okay, so you go, you're 40. You're like, I'm going to turn 40. I'm going to go crush this. I'm going to beat these four other people. It's going to be awesome. You do the 90 or 180 day tra- transformation killer. You're competitive, motivated. Once you're done, what was the piece that made you continue that for 10 years to where 10 years you're 51 and looks like you could go run circles around your kid on the basketball court or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to be the dude sitting on the sideline. You could be engaged. So what was the thing that kept that fire lit under you to keep this going? You know, it's funny because I just felt so good. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I looked a hell of a lot better. And even my clothes fit, fit, you know, I had to get all new suits and new pants and this and that. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to go back to my like fat man clothes, you know? <laughs> so I just felt like I always sort of always wanted to, to keep being a role model and mm-hmm. for everybody. And even like Todd, 
you know, and he's probably one of the biggest inspirations to me because he, he really changed my life. And I never wanted to let him down because uh, I'm not the guy that wants to let anybody down. Right. Yep. And there was one point, Ned, where I did let him down. And it's, it's funny. I, I decided to kind of take it to another level and I became a vegan for about 18 months. I was, I, wow. was traveling, I was traveling. We were in the UK and my son and I decided we wanted to go on like a, a fish and chips, like going to all the pubs and seeing who had the best fish and chips one day. I just couldn't do it anymore. So I ordered a burger at this, at this pub and the burger came and it just did not taste right. And I wound up going back to the hotel and I was talking to the GM about it. And he gave me this book called How Not to Die. And I don't want to go into another whole thing. But anyway, this book inspired me to cut out all meat and anything like that, because it, it talked about how the cancers and what people are getting and mm. back in like in the Asian countries, eating rice and vegetables, they've lived longer lives. And blah, blah. so I, I immediately, again, when, you, when I put myself into something, I just do it 100%. So I wound up being a vegan for about 18 months and it turned into a vegetarian, then a pescatarian. And then the problem was, and you know, this living in California, in and out burger <laughs> was, was the big issue. And my son and I went, and I remember it was right before Christmas of 2019. And normally I would go in and I get like a grilled cheese or whatever. And I wound up getting a double or maybe mm-hmm. a double double. And I ate the whole thing. Anyway, loved it. But my point was I, I did let Todd down because he didn't believe in, and obviously for him, pro, all the proteins and, and from animals and all that was something that they sort of live by. And ah. now not a good representation because I actually wound up losing a lot more weight. And I was like in the 140s. And for me, that was just way too skinny. So now it's balance. Like I have some days I'm a vegan, some days I'm a meat eater. Some yep. days I'm, so I kind of take it all into balance where one day might want to only eat some vegetables. So I kind of changed my own diet up a bit, but it works for me. And again, it just makes me feel a hell of a lot better. And if I'm better, my wife is better. And my son is certainly better. You know, as we talk. Well, yeah, well said. I think that's huge. If you, if you are working on yourself and fitness is a great example. And dude, if you could feel awesome looking in the mirror and your wife's like, damn, you look good. Like that's helping everybody. And you can go outside and play with your kid. Um, Love it. Okay. So man, I want to say that at 51 and, and so dudes put the work in, I, I, I just love the, the, um, really the inspiration that you give Chris in that area. It's huge. Um, let's, let's talk about your son just for a second here. I went on govlearn.org. I spent some time on that. I looked through some of the PowerPoints, some of the teaching, and I'm, I'm going to have my kids do that. Um, I'm going to have them go through this. This is killer. You know, one cool thing about my job is I've been to DC, not the last two years because of COVID, but before that we'd gone, I think seven or eight years and went and lobbied about health benefits, health insurance, lobbied healthcare. And so every year I'd take a kid and we'd go in, you know, show them all the different options of like how our government works, right? We take them through everything that DC had to offer. But I love how your son has created these tools to break it down. He created it at nine years old. So uh-huh. give me the like, okay, your kid creates it at nine. What did that look like? You know, it's really funny because you never know how your kids are going to turn out. And I remember when my son was, we were living in Los Angeles when he was two and a half and he was obsessed with airplanes. All he wanted to do was go to this 
Little Park by LAX and look at the airplanes. He wound up knowing every airline under the sun Mm -hmm. at a young age. And he would walk up to people and ask them what airline they flew. He'd spend numerous hours looking at YouTube videos of airplanes. And it's probably going to kill me if he hears this podcast, but this is how it all kind of started. Um, so he really, you know, it was cute. And, uh, my wife then took him to see that movie cars when he was around four or five. And then he got really completely obsessed with cars. And I remember I couldn't even go into a, a shopping center because all we would do is walk around looking at every car, the front, the back, the emblems. And then he would walk up to people and ask them what kind of car they drove or show me your keys. And I'll, I'll tell you what car you have. So it was cute, but so anyway, we had him evaluated and then we met a psychiatrist in Laguna Beach who said, you know what, let me let me test your son. And so they gave him a, an IQ test and he was, you know, a gifted, profoundly gifted kid. And sometimes these kids create these worlds where they're bored and they want to, like, learn everything. And I think that happened with my son, where he just always wants to take in all this information. And when we did that trip to D.C. when he was nine years old, he mm. was inspired to know every single thing about the government. And I think he wanted to share that knowledge with everybody that he knows. So I think it's someone who always took information in, whether it was an airplane airline or a, a logo of a car or a NASCAR. He came and got into NASCAR racing because he loved it so much. He wanted to be a crew chief at one point. He's just that kid that loves information. And I think this is the perfect thing for him because he's learning everything and he's giving back and teaching other kids about things in our life that many don't know about. And obviously the way our world is, you know, our country is so divided. Luke wants to make sure that his generation know how everything works so that when they turn 18, they can make a logical vote and not, not vote by no knowledge or my parents voted this way. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to vote that way. Or I don't know what this candidate stands for. So that's why Luke wanted to provide those tools. So a kid who, Mine was always going. I remember um, in in third grade, the teacher called him the hot tamale because his mind was like a hot tamale. It was always on fire and doing all these really cool things. So, you know, I'm super proud of him for for what he accomplished. You know, right now he's 16, but at nine, creating this whole vehicle. And And he's still at it, is he? Is he still kind of keeping it alive? yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely alive. I mean, he's been on CBS News nationally talking about it um on election day he hosted a, a big zoom we had about a couple maybe close to 100 kids on there one kid that's incredible they were asking questions so and i think kids felt comfortable yeah going the loop with that like having all these questions and you know so that's kind of you know his vibe and right now he's on the uh, the city youth council for the city of la where he gets to you know go and see how the cities run and there's a whole group of kids that are learning so much. He worked for Congressman Ted Lieu, uh, you know, for the past two years, talking about issues and problems in, in LA and all that. So he's really involved and, you know, he's got a passion. Yeah. He, he's got the fire lit and I'm super proud of him. I, I love that. So I know we're wrapping up here, but one more question on, on that is how did you support him as a dad? So if your kid's passionate about something, how would you encourage a dad to come alongside their their child to support them? Because it's like nine years old. Hey, dad, I want to make a website or do this. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Right. I how- always I always wanted my son, no matter what it was and how 
goofy, all those like airplanes and all that. Mm. I made sure this made my kid happy. We were going to go back to the airport. We're going to mm-hmm. do this. I remember one Halloween, we were in Newport Beach and my son did not want to go trick or treating. He wanted to go down the Fletcher Jones motor cars to look at the cars because that's what he liked to do. And he came with his, uh, he had this really cute um, NASCAR Jimmy Johnson outfit on that he wore that year. And everyone loved him. I mean, they got a, they got a kick out of him, yeah. you know, but that's what he wanted to do. And I made sure that, you know, that's what we did, you know, and even with uh, the government, like I always wanted to make sure he was on top of it. I'm his biggest cheerleader. I'm the one who's out mm-hmm. there, you know, trying to get him as much press as possible and talking, uh, talking it up as much as I can, because I know there's a lot of parents who have young kids or even look a lot of stuff. I don't even know that I have to go to Luke and ask and my parents as well. So it's not only just for kids, it's for really all of us who don't really know how the government works. And so I'm, I'm always there every step of the way through it. Man, kudos to you, Chris, two things, you know, one, you said you want to be your kid's biggest cheerleader, biggest fan. I love that. And then you got out of the way, like say Halloween was really important to you. And you always imagine trick or treating with your son and that mattered to you. You took your own, not, I'm not saying that it did, but just say that it was the case. You put your own preferences aside and said, what matters to my kid? This is about him and his growth and his learning. And I'm going to make that a priority. Um, and I think if we could get out of the way sometimes of our kid uh, with our own agenda and show up for them, it would really just encourage them in what they're passionate about. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a perfect dad because I think the hardest part of being a dad is the high school years. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really hard because my son... I'm like the embarrassing dad where I I can't ask him every question I want to ask him because he doesn't want to share a lot with me. And that's okay too, because I know one day he will, but like I have to make sure I don't overstep my boundaries or get involved in something that I shouldn't do. And Mm. sometimes I do because that's just who I am. And I kind of forget because I look at him and he is 16, but sometimes I forget and he's, I think he's like 10, but he's not. Yeah. You know, and even like my parents do the same thing with me. I, like sometimes if I go home, like I'm going to be going back one weekend alone in the summer. And I know damn well, my parents are going to treat me like I'm 16 again. And I'm going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. you know? so I think it's just the way, the way it is. When you look at your kid, you, you look at like that little baby face and you just can't believe, wow. Yeah. Me going off to college. I mean, I can't believe, you know, I went to the senior prom this weekend and you know, I picked them up at two 30 in the morning and I just couldn't believe like, wow, my kids at the prom, like, this is crazy. You know, I was just like a toddler at the airport looking at it. Oh my gosh. I know. It's so sad, bro. It's so, it's like wonderful to see that my, my oldest daughter just got her license. So it's, it's awesome to celebrate and be a part of it. But then it's also, it's also sad, right? They're not that cute, chubby little four-year-old anymore. Well, luckily for you, Ned, I mean, it's great that you have five kids. I mean, everyone's there. I mean, that's one regret. I wish we were able to have more kids so that Luke could have that person to count on, you know, it's it's tough to be an only child. And, you know, and I just feel like maybe that's why I overstep it a little bit more because we're kind of all he has right now, as Mm -hmm. far as family, everyone lives back East. We're the only people out in California, some distant cousins, but really that's it. So maybe that's another reason why I'm so like involved in his life as much as I am. 
Yeah, but I love that, right? You're gonna he's gonna get a different childhood experience than say my 16 year old. Um, it's just different, but but it's both shaping them to be great human beings to go into the world and and make big impact. And and the role you and I play is so significant. And and Chris, with with our time wrapping up here, I just love love to ask you this last question, and it's a legacy question. You know, your son's 16. Imagine, you know, 35 years from now. Uh, you are to peer into his home and see the life that he's living. What would it, what is it that you would see? And you know, that your day in day out actions as a dad, as a man, as a father, as a friend, um, what's the legacy you imparted to him? Um, you know, I think he's going to be a kid who is going to grow up and whether whoever he marries or doesn't marry, I think he's going to be living a life of i think he's gonna want a lot of action around him he's very inspired by everybody around him and i think he's just gonna be somebody who i taught that independence Mm. and i taught him to be courageous and i think no matter where he is or if he has a family or doesn't have a family he's gonna be a pretty happy kid because my wife and i gave him those tools to, to be successful so i think the legacy that i'm gonna leave him when i'm not here anymore is the memories of the generations and things that I've learned that I passed down to him. And like, who knows, maybe I'll be that guy to come back into his life when he goes to visit a medium. And Mm. I'm the guy that comes back to say, here's another thing I wanted to tell you that I didn't tell you, you know, but hopefully I'll be able to tell him everything in his life, which, which is how I feel. And I, I'm going to continue to do that. I love it. I love it. Chris, thank you so much for taking time to talk fatherhood with me, uh, for me to get to know you a little bit more. Keep keep uh, being your inspirational self, man. I love, I love what you're doing. I love the way that you show up every day. Keep doing it because uh, you're inspiring a lot more people than you probably realize. Ned, thank you. And thank you for giving us the platform as dads. You know, Not many do this. And I think it's great that you're doing this and really finding this kind of this this podcast so that we could all inspire each other and i think we've all been through a crazy time and i think if there's one thing left to be said it's that we we have family and we have each other and i think i've got to make new family during this Mm -hmm. pandemic with people i would never connect with like you and other people that are are very meaningful relationships so i want to thank you for giving us this platform love it love it thank you so much chris uh look forward to hanging out with you again You got it. Thank you. Wow, what another incredible conversation. I so enjoyed talking fatherhood with Chris. Uh, My friends have been teasing me lately that I don't smile enough. So hearing the impact that Chris had from his grandfather smiling was impactful to me, you know, because I don't want to be known for the guy who doesn't smile. So working on that. Hey, if you haven't already, please take five minutes and spend $20 on the Adventure of Fatherhood children's book. My goal is to help fathers see who they are and connect them with their sons, but I cannot do this alone. This would be great gift or be great to have for your kiddos. One of those books you want to keep going back and reading. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Crete's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. If you have a question about fatherhood, something you'd like to talk to me about, shoot me an email, ned at rebelandcreate.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay in tune with all that's going on. And I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Thank you.